Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 150. What are we going to talk about besides dead bodies, unexplained disappearances, UFOs, and other things of strange events and occurrences which happen probably on a daily basis? Well, you know, like I said, I, I don't like politics, but I feel compelled to continuously drag myself into the limelight when it comes to that because honestly I feel like we are running a country without a president um, it's it's totally ridiculous uh, that a man is so out of place lacking the ability to make command decisions lower than normal skill sets and just you know I always thought Trump should just keep his mouth shut and get off of tw Twitter you know and honestly I don't think much different about this guy orders but President Biden has personally called the reporter he swore out yesterday to say it was nothing personal sounds like the president and the reporter had a cordial conversation about that comment heard around the world President Biden is saying no hard feelings after calling a Fox News reporter an SOB it happened last night as White House correspondent Peter Ducey called out this question <laughs> Biden didn't like that one bit it's a great asset more inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. One hour later, Ducey says Biden called him on his cell phone. He said, it's nothing personal, pal. Oh. And I pal. told him that I okay, appreciated pal. him reaching out. Hey, hey, John. Uh... Now's the time we should be spending. Now's the time to go big. to send kids K through eight back because they are less likely to communicate the disease to somebody else. President Donald Trump was interrogated over his tax returns and he interrogated former Vice President Joe Biden over the business dealings of his son, Hunter. Biden was accused of forgetting the name of his college and insulting soldiers. Moderator Chris Wallace struggled to keep up. And let's be honest, so did fact-checkers. But here are some of the things we noticed and when the candidates strayed from the facts. Hey everyone, I'm Daniel Funky with PolitiFact. Pre-debate headlines were dominated by a bombshell New York Times investigation into President Trump's tax returns. During the debate, Trump addressed the story head-on. I paid millions of dollars in taxes, millions of dollars of income tax. This is disputed. The Times reported that Trump paid $750 in income taxes in both 2016 and 2017. The newspaper also reported that Trump paid no taxes in 10 of the 15 years preceding that. Trump and his allies have repeatedly said that Trump has paid millions of dollars in taxes more generally. Now that could be a signal that Trump was talking about something other than federal income taxes, such as payroll taxes or sales taxes. Trump later redirected to Biden's son Hunter and his alleged connection to Russia. Just out of curiosity, 
The mayor of Moscow's wife gave your son three and a half million dollars. Why did he deserve three and a half million from Moscow? The president brought up this unverified story over and over again. Here's what we know. A Senate Republican report said the widow of the ex-mayor of Moscow sent $3.5 million to an American account in 2014. Republicans linked that account to Hunter Biden, but they did not share any documents to substantiate that claim. Hunter Biden's lawyer has said that he has no ties to the account. Meanwhile, Democratic Senate staff have said that they've seen the same documents that Republicans are talking about, and they do not tie Hunter Biden to the account. Another highlight of the debate, Trump saying that Biden said things he never said. You said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. This claim is false. Biden never said that he attended Delaware State. Trump was referencing something Biden said about getting his start at DSU, but Biden was not implying that he attended the university. Instead, he was referencing support that the university gave him when he announced his candidacy for U.S. Senate on campus. A tenser moment of the debate centered around whether Biden insulted members of the military. He called Mr. the military Vice, Mr. Vice stupid President, bastards. I, I did he not said it on wait, tape. Uh, he uh, said Mr. stupid uh, bastards. Please. This is half true. In 2016, Biden jokingly used the phrase stupid bastards while addressing a group of airmen overseas. But during his entire speech, Biden repeatedly praised the troops. COVID-19 was a big theme of the night, and Biden wasted no time attacking Trump's handling of the pandemic. The president has no plan. This needs context. The Trump administration has announced a plan for how it will distribute vaccines. However, public health experts have said that the Trump administration did not have a plan for how to address the pandemic more generally. This is the same man It's all set up. By Easter, this would be gone away. By the warm weather, it'd be gone. Miraculous, like a miracle. And by the way, maybe you could inject some bleach in your arm, and that would take care of it. This also needs context. Trump did not explicitly suggest that people inject bleach into their arms. He did express interest in whether or not disinfectants could be applied to the site of a coronavirus infection. That's our rundown of the first presidential debate. For more fact checks of both candidates, go to PolitiFact. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America, Barack Obama. Thank you, everybody.
on the Keystone XL pipeline. Before the election, the New York Governor Cuomo was gushingly praised as offering the gold standard, according to Biden, for leadership in the pandemic. All this meant to contrast with Trump. But Cuomo was the man who forced 9,000 COVID patients out of hospitals, into nursing homes, covering up the deaths, and there were 15,000 COVID deaths in New York State in nursing homes, 40% of the total deaths. Trump sent the US Navy's Comfort Hospital ship to New York and a field hospital. Cuomo left them empty. Miranda Devine wrote recently, if Biden praises your character, it's probably time to go to confession. Two final points on this arrant hypocrisy. A few years ago, the same Joe Biden was outraged that cultural norms could be used as a defense of African brutality towards gays. Quote, hate can never be defended because it's a so-called cultural norm, said Biden. I've had it up to here, he said, with cultural norms. Well, only last week, Biden made a statement about China's treatment of Muslim Uyghurs, China's repression in Hong Kong, arresting innocent people, and China's threats to Taiwan. Biden passed them off as Chinese cultural norms. How does Biden handle President Xi? I point out to him no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. But he added, culturally, there are different norms in each country and their leaders are expected to follow them. As an editorial last week in Sydney's Daily Telegraph said, there seem to be certain cultural norms that the US president can happily accept. And finally, this is the same President Biden with his bold new zero carbon dioxide emissions policy. And in another ridiculous puff piece last week, how it's even newsworthy, I've got no idea, CNN reported, I quote, President Biden has expressed a preference for a fire built in the Oval Office fireplace and sometimes adds a log himself to get it going. President Biden, do you understand that burning firewood in the home produces methane and black carbon particles that produce carbon dioxide, which you say warms the atmosphere? This bloke Biden walks on both sides of the road. As I keep asking, are some of these politicians dumb or duplicitous or both? He upholds the values of America, but lets in illegal immigrants. He'll create jobs but destroys thousands in shutting down a pipeline. He hates cultural norms but accepts that China's brutality is a consequence of different norms in each country. He's going to be the leader of the global warming crusade, net zero carbon dioxide emissions, but he loves the fire in the Oval Office and sometimes adds a log himself, thereby producing the carbon dioxide on which he reckons he'll spend trillions to reduce. Many people would say the biggest log is the one not going on the fire. Free? This former Secret Service agent and the guy who's written the new book called Crisis of Character uh, regarding Hillary Clinton and, and uh, his time watching Bill Clinton as he worked outside the Oval Office, Gary Byrne. Gary, before we talk a little bit about your new book, which is a runaway uh, bestseller, uh, you were posted in Turkey. Are you surprised that John Huddy is able to get that close? I mean, they've already opened up the airport. We've got some live images right there. There's one of the bullet holes right That's there John. in the glass. Yeah. Actually, what you're seeing there is something I actually experienced uh, years ago in, in the early 1980s when I went to the Ankara airport. There had been attack in the 70s and the bullet holes were still there right it's so important to tell the terrorists where to go back to business and they did the same thing in israel too opened up the cafe hours after yeah, the yeah, attack took yeah. place yeah the, Tur the turkish mentality is tough they're strong people and right. i wish them the best gary let's talk about some of the uh, some of what you saw in your years in as a secret service agent with hillary clinton in your book that's chronicled in your book crisis of character first off 
You open up talking about Bush 41. Yes. And you pretty much echo what many people say, solid class, and you expected yes. to see the same thing in the transition to the Clintons. Yes. What was, who were the Clintons? How was it different? So when I first started working, um, protecting the Clintons, actually, um, they were running for office. And we heard all these rumors from Arkansas. And, uh, what and rumors? Rumors about the president um, affairs and about the state police that, that protected him being forced to help him facilitate these things. Trooper Gate? Yeah, so that kind of thing. And we also heard these stories about their, their um, um, uh, behavior with each other. Volcanic. Volcanic, dangerous. And... Um, Actually, I, I talked to this um, this um, sheriff down there one time, and uh, we were I was joking with him. I said, "There's no way that this guy could ever get elected." And he looked me like he was looking right through me, and he said, "Let me tell you something, Gary. Believe everything you hear, and they will get elected. Wow. And they'll stay there for eight years." He said, "It is unbelievable." He said, "They can spin manure in the gold." Gary, <laughs> the first chapter is called the vase. Yes. What's the vase story? So um, I came to work one morning um, as a Secret Service Uniform Division officer, and before I went to my post, I um, uh, went over to see a buddy on the ground floor of the White House, and he had said there had been um, um, a huge fight. The first family of Mr. and Mrs. Clinton had a huge fight upstairs. And I know this sounds like silly, like you were eavesdropping, but you have to put yourself in that position. The, the White House is huge. It's old. You know, it's the, the sound child is right down the stairwells and the elevator shafts. So anyway... Uh, he said during the fight there was a crash, and when it was investigated, they um, found a, a blue vase. Now, in, uh, is, this has been reported before as a, as a, uh, a lamp, but it was, that's not true. I saw the vase, because after he told me the story, knowing how the White House worked, I walked right down to the curator's office, which was a couple doors down, opened the door and looked in, and there I saw the, a, a crushed, you know, broken blue vase in a, a cardboard box. In the archives room. In, in, the, in the curator's in office, the curator's yes, ma'am. But yeah. then when you saw the president... What yeah, so later, later on, the next time I saw the president um, over at the Oval Office when he came in, he had a mark under his eye. And it was a black eye, and, but you could see they were trying to conceal it with makeup. And I said to uh, his assistant, Nancy Henrich and Betty Curry, what's that mark under the president's eye? Right. And they said, uh, Nancy said, oh, he's allergic to coffee. And I said, uh, under one eye? <laughs> and so um, as Nancy walked into her little part of the office and I started to walk out, I turned to Betty Curry and I said, you know, I'm, I'm allergic to the back of somebody's hand. Yeah, no kidding. And I, I was just trying to spark a reaction to figure out, you know, what was going on. Yeah, they weren't going to spill the beans. But, Gary, given the fact that you described, uh, it has been described, there, the relationship between Hillary and Bill Clinton, volcanic, very loud, uh, at some point you had conversations with other Secret Service agents about what do we do? We're here to protect the President of the United States. What happens if his wife right. is the troublemaker? Right. That was, that was a, a topic of discussion. It kind of started out one day, in particular, I remember, as like we were joking about it. And then all of a sudden, the, the agent I was talking with was like, what would we do? I go, well, you've got to protect the president. I mean, if she walks in when he's doing something he shouldn't be, and, the, you know, you got to protect the president, you got to protect her. And whoever the poor person is that's there, they're kind of on their own. So you know? the scenario was if she walked in on the president with one of right. the, the women. Right, right. It was a concern. Right. And, uh, and then when you, when you take what, we, what I experienced and what every other people experienced about her uh, dangerous, angry behavior and put that together, it's... You know, it's the recipe for domestic violence. She hated to see you guys. She you did had not to like basically jump into a closet to stay out of her eyesight. Well, we were supposed to. I would tell you that I never did. And, and it, um, it got me in a couple of jams once in a while, like on the road. 
Um, but uh, yes, there was this this guideline that they didn't want. She didn't want to see people. And and, over and here's the an example. Check out this quote from your book. She said once threw a Bible at an agent on her detail, hitting him in the back of the head. Assign assignment to her detail is a form of punishment handed down by passive aggressive middle management. When her detail passed, Mrs. Clinton expected everyone to just disappear. She didn't want to see anyone in the White House halls. If the whole place were the personal executive mansion, it was insulting. She hated uniforms. Yeah, yeah. you were giving up your life, or could be potentially giving right. up your life to protect her. Right. My experience with them is they don't like the military and they don't like law enforcement. And my personal feeling, based on what I saw, is she does not like men. Sure. Also, what about the Lewinsky affair and what you did to short circuit it, and she overcame it, and right. they were, were unbelievably sloppy about it. I, I tried to help them when I could. Um, when, when it was clear to me that Monica Lewinsky was trying to put herself in the president's path all the time, I went to uh, Evelyn Lieberman and I asked her to um, take some steps to have her removed it, and she understood what I was saying. And I actually said to Evelyn, "Look, if I'm overstepping my bounds, then then file a complaint. But I think it's that important." And Monica got removed for about a week, and then magically she came back, not an intern now, but with a hard White House pass that allows her to go most anywhere but the private living quarters. Uh, tell us the thong story. So one day Monica manipulated herself into the Oval Office area, and she walked by my post, and President Clinton was actually in George Stephanopoulos' office, which was just past his dining room, and he was conferring with George, and um, he stepped out in the hallway, and he saw Monica coming down the hallway, and they had, you know, a few words, you know, like, you know, hi, how are you, pleasantries, and, and I was standing there, and by this time, like, I had been trying to usher Monica out, you know, so anyway, as they were talking, I closed the gap a little bit, and you could see, she could see me coming, so she started walking away, and as she walked past, she had this dress on, and she looked back and made sure the president was looking at it, and she flipped up the dress and showed him her blue flan. I, I felt like I was at... And it was just bizarre. People it was like a nightclub. Like you're in Cancun or something. Yeah, People are asking why you're doing this, why you're telling so them. So I'm telling my story because I want the truth to come out. You know, I have to look my kids in the face like everybody else. And um, when you when you experience the things that I did, two years, three years ago, I had to sit down on the couch like we are with my kids, and I had them search on Google my name, Bill Clinton's name, and Monica Lewinsky's name. I wanted them to, I wanted to tell them what had happened because they were going to study about it in school. And let's face it, some of the things that are now our history are R-rated. And you're in it. Yeah, and I wanted my kids to know it from their father, what had happened. And I want people to know that this image, I realize all politics has a little bit of, you know, um, over the top, you know, about their candidates, but this yeah. image of Mrs. Clinton that she's a leader is, is completely wrong. And I'm Mrs. sorry. Mrs. Clinton's machine is trying to unbook you CNN's yes. already unbooked you. Yes. None of the networks will touch you. Yes. You just mentioned George Stephanopoulos. You think they're going to tell right. that story in GMA? No. And, and the funny thing is, when people come out, like this retired Secret Service Association comes out and says, I never had access. All you have to do is go ask George Stephanopoulos. I, I stood right outside his door for years. Yeah. I was friends with, with his uh, co with his assistants. Everybody knows who I am. Right. Gary just Byrne. the truth. We all know who you are, definitely. Thank Gary you. Byrne wrote the book. It's called Crisis of right. Character, if you want to pick it up. The media. FBI and the intelligence community not only failed to keep Hillary Clinton in check, they connived together. The country's still dealing with the consequences. It's been no secret that Hillary refused to accept the results of the election. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. I do think that he knows uh, that uh, he's an illegitimate president. Mm. And because of that, he is... He's, he's very uh, insecure about it. Mm -hmm. uh, look what he's trying to do now. I mean, part of the Ukraine...
scandal that is slowly coming to light is he's trying to figure out how to say no no it wasn't the russians even though our intelligence community and everyone who's looked at this said yeah yeah it was the russians he's trying to say no somehow it was you know the you know obama hillary you know whoever hillary's been unable to move on and now we know why she's just sticking with her story you can't change an alibi this weekend special counsel john durham dropped a bombshell report they don't call her crooked for nothing durham's team filed in court and if there was ever any doubt that clinton was behind the russia hoax that's officially gone durham's documents show that hillary clinton hired people who hacked into trump's home and office computers before and during his presidency and planted evidence that he colluded with russia yeah you heard that right hillary broke into a presidential candidate's computer server and a sitting president's computer server spying on him there her hackers planted evidence fabricated evidence connecting trump to russia then fed that doctored material to the feds and the media at first she just did this to distract from her own email scandal but then when trump beat her she used this hoax as an excuse for losing this launched a criminal investigation aimed at taking down a sitting president hillary clinton broke the law to frame trump as a russian traitor the media the so-called umpires of our democracy went along with the frame job for years they backed up whatever lies hillary was spewing about donald trump the president is a Russian operative. This cloud about collusion with Russia will hang over him no matter where he stands. It, it does look like he's listening to Putin more than he is American intelligence. We're about to find out if the new president of our country is going to do what Russia wants. The presidency is effectively a Russian op. And when some real information came to light, like the fact that the Steele dossier was as phony as my eighth grade girlfriend who supposedly went to another school, they doubled down on their denial, and they trashed John Durham's investigation into their own lies. Listen. The biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my yeah, campaign, There's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign, and they got caught. Donald Trump and William Barr promised that Durham would expose huge corruption. But he hasn't done that. Is apparently an ongoing concerted Republican and pro-Trump project to try to turn the investigation of the Russia scandal into some kind of scandal itself. Oh no! Okay, wait till the Durham report comes out, and and then nothing happens, and they just move on to the next conspiracy theory. The media failed the police, Hillary, the dirty cop of politicians, as she pushed an insurrection. The left loves to memorialize January 6th as an attack on our democracy. But if that's true, then what's this? The Russia hoax and the three-year Mueller investigation did more to undermine faith in our democracy than January 6th. Look at the impact it's had on our country. The credibility of the FBI and the CIA shattered. Federal prosecutors at the Department of Justice no longer trusted. A presidential campaign was broken into, was spied on. And who knows how the Russia hoax affected that race. The 2018 election was interfered with. The Mueller investigation hung a dark cloud over those midterms, costing Republicans the House. The nation was divided. Our foreign policy was affected. 
and it led to some arguments that ruined quite a few Waters family holidays. Durham's probe has cost 10% of what Mueller's has. And with less time and resources, he found the smoking gun. Was Mueller trying to find answers or was he covering the left's tracks? We know the answer. Mueller was a mop-up job and he was just there to tee up impeachment. According to Durham's filing, this hacking of Trump dates all the way back, you ready, to 2014, well before he came down that golden escalator. Former Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, has revealed that Hillary's motives to frame Trump were no secret. The CIA, FBI, the DOJ, and even Obama himself were briefed that the Russia hoax was a Clinton dirty trick. But they all went along with it, didn't they? Ratcliffe believes that there is more than enough evidence for, quote, multiple indictments. So who could be next? Are James Clapper and John Brennan next on the chopping block? They did a pretty good job of trying to throw us off Hillary's trail. Listen to how they responded when former Attorney General William Barr said in congressional testimony he believed Trump was spied on. When you use constant contact, prepare accordingly. Believe Trump was spied on. Well, I was very disappointed in what Attorney General Barr said today about spying when he was referring to the investigation that was predicated, certainly, and that the FBI was trying to understand exactly what the Russians were doing. I thought it was uh, both stunning and, and, and scary. Uh, I was uh, amazed at that and, and rather disappointed that uh, the Attorney General would say such a thing that, you know, the term spying uh, has all kinds of negative connotations, and uh, I, I, I have to believe he, he chose that term uh, uh, deliberately. You know, feds usually circle the wagons around other feds, so who knows what's going to happen to those two clowns. But this is a level of corruption not seen in American history. This is more brazen than the Watergate break-in. Hillary's hackers broke in, planted evidence, then got the feds to try throwing a president out of office. Isn't it time she faced the consequences? Yeah. Has the time finally come? Are we witnessing the end of the Clinton dynasty? One of the five families of the Democrat Party? It looks like Hillary's played her last get-out-of-jail-free card. While Bills felt the wrath of the Me Too movement and lost his pilot's wings from his days on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express. Bill Clinton was on those flights. Numerous times. On the flights that Bill Clinton was on with Jeffrey Epstein, the stewardess, or stewardesses, many of them were underage, were dressed as candy stripers. Correct. And there were beds in the back of the plane? Beds, bedroom, yes. Even the Clinton's phony charity foundation has been exposed as a pay-for-play scheme. Sorry, Chelsea, but I think your parents have left you high and dry. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe. Begin to imagine the brave and righteous spirit they've unleashed in men and women like all of you here today. And this is some crowd. We broke the record again. We broke the record again.
but they're going to find out the hard way starting on November 8th, and then again even more so on November 2024. They will find out like never before. We did it twice, and we'll do it again. We're going to be doing it again a third time. Testing images from this presser are not going to be any of the things he said. It's just going to be the images. And there were two particular ones that came out. One was Joe Biden, like a small child, being called on in class without having done his homework, burying his face in the podium, essentially, as Peter Ducey asks him a difficult question. Here's what that looked like. Now, I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? image of the old man clutching a binder to his chest and lowering his head as though he is being victimized and put upon after 13 American service members die in service to his garbage mission. That is an unbelievable image. Joe Biden finally wanders out to the mic. This girl right here just has no more. This girl right here. No. This girl right here has no more campaigns to run. I know because I won both of them. That's why I'm running to win back that election and change his terrible policy. I just asked one question. Why didn't you do it in the eight years, a short time ago? Why didn't you do it? You just said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I could go on. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is why I stay away from politics, because everything is corruption. This one lies, that one lies, this one hacks, that one hacks. This one's after this one, that one's after that one. All kind of horse crap. So what is next? What is next? Our president just turned over Afghanistan to terrorists. He and other politicians are enriching themselves on the high oil prices because they are all part of or have investments in this 
global energy. So what is next? Maybe I don't even really want to know. Because what I do know is that right now, our country as it stands doesn't have anybody in charge. And I don't know what to make of that. But what can you do? This is what the people wanted. And yet they yell now because of the inflation. They yell because of the gas prices. They yell because of this. They yell because of that. You have Biden giving out trillions of dollars for COVID relief. When the fact is that we will be paying all that money back. And your kids will be paying that money back. And if you don't think so, look at that part on your income tax that says, how, wants to know how much you got. You see what I'm saying? So with that in mind, during the next election, I would take a long, hard look at how the country was being run prior to Biden and then after Biden. I'm not telling you how to vote. But instead of listening to the media, instead of doing this and doing that, just look around. And see if you're really happy how the country is running. You know? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not. But that's just my opinion. Until next time I meet you again, this is episode 150, season 2 of the Night Stalker podcast. And we will see you soon.